Welcome to the In The Cut Fantasy Sports Podcast with your hosts, John Fish and Ryan Venancio. What is up, everybody? Welcome back. No longer welcome in. Welcome back. We have been on a couple month uh, or a couple week hiatus, uh, but we're back in the Cut Fantasy Sports Podcast with Ryan Venancio again. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Back to uh, glad to be back and talking about baseball. And you know, took a few weeks off, but back on the grind every Sunday, baby. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, we we wrapped up the basketball draft season, and then we had a weekend where I was sick and a weekend where you were sick. And then uh, last weekend, there was just – I don't think the ADP was out yet for, for you know, the NFBC for baseball. So we decided to just hold off one more week. And um, now that we have some ADP, we're, we're back, in, back in full force. And we're going to go over some ADP, like I said, uh, for this episode. Um, we're also going to add a couple segments to it. We're going to do a did you know segment where I'm going to list a couple things that are, um, you know, some things that I kind of find uh, you know, a little surprising. Uh, I use a lot of this stuff in my draft prep um, as well for one of these things. So that I have listed and written down and then I got a little bit of trivia that's kind of be um, kind of play off the did you know segment. Uh, so we're going to get get Ryan in the hot seat and see if we can see if we can stump him a little bit. I got some easy ones and then there's, um, you know, there's a couple of. Uh, a little more difficult so yeah so let's uh let's get into it so what do you uh what are your initial reactions here to the early adp yeah so um a few surprises here um and after looking at it uh after doing two dcs uh the strategy going in is going to be starting with hitters um i think getting two like stud bats like looking at team 14 for example and this is just based on adp this isn't an actual draft starting like harper machado starting harper freeman uh devers as a second round pick just getting like two guys that maybe don't have a ton of steals but chip in speed uh obviously not devers but someone like harper machado freeman um getting two stud bats like that that are going to give you a ton of power good batting average and they're just reliable like when was the last time bryce harper manny machado or freddie freeman were bad like it's been years um so you just know what you're getting uh even though harper might clog you till that's just like that's just how i want to start my draft which is two you know really sturdy reliable bats yeah there is you know as safe as as they come basically and you know the things that keep that keeps them down towards the end of the first round is just you know kind of the lack of speed. You know, a lot of people like the to jump the speed guys up, including myself. So, you know, a lot of the the first half of the first round, you'll see, you're gonna see a lot of the guys that are gonna steal twenty plus bases. Whereas the guys towards the back end of the first, you're looking at like Fly Junior and Bryce Harper and Machado Freeman. Those guys are gonna have massive counting stats. They're all gonna hit for pretty good average, um, and you know, there's their stolen bases aren't going to be super elite. You're looking at maybe you know 10 to 15 stolen bases, including Vlad Jr., who I believe stole 10 this past season. He stole 10, yeah. Yeah, so we can't we can't write him off as a zero anymore, and especially with these rule changes coming. Who knows? Maybe you can stretch it up to 15. Uh I wouldn't count on it, but I don't think it's completely out of the question. 
but yeah, looking at um, looking at these this early ADP, I'm seeing tons and tons of pitching available in rounds five, six, seven, even round eight. There's tons of guys I like in there. So I've normally been a, a pitching early kind of guy, and you can legitimately go. You know, if you if you want to fade closer, you could go five straight hitters and still end up getting two 200 strikeout plus guys in the sixth and seventh rounds. And to me, that's insane. Like I don't, I don't really remember that ever being something that could happen. Um, but it looks this year, like that's complete viable strategy. Yeah. I, I had done a draft. It wasn't, it wasn't a DC, but um, it was a fan tracks draft and hold still 50 rounds, same concept. Um, and I started five hitters and then I took um Something like Luis Severino, um, Chris Bassett, uh, Drew Rasmussen, Frankie Montas, like all in a row. Um, after I started five hitters, um, th- there was like a closer mixed in there too. But I was just, you know, after starting five hitters, you would think you can't get pitchers that good, but you're able to. Um, even like Luis Garcia all the way down in round 11. Uh, I don't know, a guy on Houston that's, you know, going to give you a ton of innings and could potentially take another step. Uh, like I said, Bassett in the 11th, Drew Rasmussen in the 12th, like still like really good pitchers uh, in that range. Yeah, it's it's crazy. You know, I, I, it's not somebody who I've necessarily been on the last couple of years, but Jack Flaherty in the 14th, you know, we've seen him go in the top three yeah. rounds, you know, in, a couple of years ago. And if he can somehow bounce back to normal, like that's, he's got potential to just, completely you know dominate that adp so yeah those are my those are my initial reactions is just the 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 first 10 rounds there's so much talent not even just the pitchers just everywhere like if you miss out on certain categories certain categories early you can pretty much get you can make that up easily in those in those you know round five six seven eight nine like in there and that's just my first takeaway i still like to get my speed early so I, i'm still going to be targeting speed guys but uh yeah the, the pitchers i there's really no need to the starting pitchers i should say there's really no need to jump the gun and like push a starting pitcher up i would just i think my strategy is going to be i'm just going to take whoever kind of falls to me and if my guy doesn't fall to me in the second or third round then it's really not the end of the world i'm not going to force up another starting pitcher who I don't think should go there. I'm just going to keep, keep, you know, adding to the hitters. And the the other thing is the, the, the closers, Um, you know, it seems at this point right now, it seems like there's a little bit more safe, sure closers right now at this point in the year than there was last year at this point. And now obviously last year we were dealing with the lockout, so that didn't really help much. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm just looking at a lot of these, a lot of these closers in, the, in rounds three and four and five, I think they're pretty safe, even round six. I think, I think they're pretty safe. So other than one guy who I'll get to here in a minute, there's one of my, uh, one of my fades, but yeah. What do you think about that? No, I definitely agree with you there. And even if you stretch it down a bit, like sure, Joan Duran might not be like a 30 save guy. And it's hard to draft him as your first closer. 
but I think you could easily get 15 saves, amazing ratios, and a ton of strikeouts. I don't think that I don't think I'll have much of him in the eighth, but it's not a horrible pick. Um, even Scott Barlow, uh, who the Royals seemingly don't want to trade, should still get 20 or so saves. Uh, David Bednar, same thing. I mean, he's the Pirates' closer. No, wherever he gets traded to, if he does get dealt, you'd assume he's the closer. So there's still like Clay Holmes is probably the closer to start the year. So there's still like a lot of guys here that um, are two options or low end closer one options. Yeah, one of my biggest targets last year as well, uh, Daniel Bard in round nine. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to be willing to pay that price as I was paying, you know, around 40, 41 prices last year. But uh, you got to think he's the sure closer in Colorado too. And I think he just signed him to a two-year deal, right? I think it was a two-year deal. So They did. Can you believe he's 38 years old? Yeah. I mean, it's crazy too. And then they didn't, he's coming off literally his best year of his career and they his value is never going to be higher and they didn't trade him. So that's fine. That's good for me. It was good for me last year. Um, Terrific for me last year. I mean, I got an extra two months of saves that I didn't think I was going to get. And and this year it looks like he's going to be the closer again. Now, I don't know if I can rely on what he did last year uh, coming again this year, but you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see. So I know you touched on already about, you said you usually took starting pitchers early and you're always about aces and bases. Um, you have that same mentality looking at the board again. Um, maybe not so much aces, but you're still going to be drafting like high. Like your target in the first round is going to be like Witt, Tucker, J-Ram, Bichette, those guys. Yeah, for sure. I want that I want that five-category bat or, you know, four-category if they're not going to completely chip into batting average. But, yeah, I want the power-speed combo for sure in the first round. And – this is part of the issue when we drafted in the Rob, the Rob Di Pietro early draft back in August. I think we did it. Uh, yeah. I was drafted from the 15th slot, and I had you know all of all those power speed options that I liked were gone. So I did go with Vlad Jr. and I did go with Dylan Cease. And looking at it now, the way the board has played out, I wouldn't I would never have taken uh, Dylan Cease there probably, even though I love Dylan Cease. But just seeing how how many starting pitchers are available, I probably would have went doubled up on hitters there at the 15th spot, you know, Burns and Cole who are, you know, on ADP now Burns at 15 and Cole at, you know, the third pick of the round, uh, the second round. So, you know, pick 18 like that, those guys were off the board in our draft. So I would have taken one of those guys for sure. Uh, those are my top two, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, it, it was tough getting, I just don't like getting behind in speed. And one of my, did you know, uh, pieces is going to kind of touch on that but um yeah what, what about you what, what are your what's your thoughts for your normal draft stat strategy uh normally and then compared to this year yeah so last year i sort of uh same thing as you i wanted that power speed uh combo but you know after um looking into some things and trying to you know be a better player every year uh like we should always be doing i i kind of I'm okay taking a Jordan, a Juan Soto, a Vlad with the first pick so long as you are going to pair him with the speed guy in the second or third round just because they're such good hitters that um, with the first pick, you're obviously never going to miss. I I shouldn't say never. You're rarely going to miss in the first round. But at the same time, I don't want to 
category chase in the first round just to take like a worse hitter. Like Juan Soto could easily hit 35 homers and hit 300, right? Uh, Jordan, mm-hmm. the same thing. So I don't want to not take those guys just because they don't steal bases, just because they're so good and you can, they're so reliable. Yeah, for sure. I mean, listen, like when we talk about our strategies, it's just like what we prefer. It's not set in stone like that's what you have to do, right? Like you can win with literally any strategy. You just got to be able to hit on the players. And it's easier exactly. now to do something like that, like you were saying with like Jordan or or Vlad, because we have an ADP now. We know kind of where our speed targets need to be and where we need to kind of jump a little bit. Um, you know, back in August, I had no idea. I honestly thought I was going to be able to get Tommy Edmund at the end of the seventh, and he was gone. Um, I did. I thought that. I thought I was just overly high on him, but apparently, there's other people who like him as well. So that's that's good to see. And you know, all, all those guys were gone. Like I just every guy that I thought I was going to be able to get, I just didn't get. And um, I feel like I made up for it, okay. But you know, I guess we'll ne- we're not going to find out for like. A half year here so but yeah yeah exactly yeah um so let's uh what let's go over like a couple guys that we're we're interested in here in like the top 100 just looking at kind of the adp right now and we'll go over a couple guys that we're we're out on um let's start with uh what's who's one guy that you're in on here at adp uh it's gotta be for me xander bogarts um Xander Bogart's ADP right now in drafts is 85. Um, that matches up with this thing, right? Yeah, yeah, 84.61. Uh, yeah. Where is where is he? Oh, okay. I'm oh, sorry, I was reading it the wrong way. 85. Um, he, he's just too good of a hitter to be going that late. I understand he only went 15 and 8 last year with a 310 batting average. Um, but uh, we were talking to Jason. Uh, in the zoom call this Friday, a few days ago. And uh, he was saying how Bogarts, you know, hurt his shoulder early uh, in the middle of the season. It sort of sapped his power. And if you look under the hood, everything is basically the same as it was the year before. Uh, His hard hit rate was down a bit, but it's in line with his career norms. Uh, His max EV, same as it always is. Uh, Strikeout rate, same as it always is. Walk rate, same as it always is. He just didn't hit as many home runs. Uh, the year before, he had 23 homers, five steals, 90 runs, and a 300 average. He's hit 295 or higher four consecutive seasons. And he's hit 20 home runs in 2018. He hit 23, 2019, 33, 2021, 23. So you're getting... 23 homers, good counting stats, five to 10 stolen bases and a 300 average. Like that's insane to me uh, with a uh, seventh, I'm sorry, sixth round pick. Um, He's just a so safe and be such a productive player every year. Yeah, I completely agree. And we've kind of talked about this. We love a lot of those shortstops that are going right in there you know like the fifth sixth round and you got you know dansby swanson seager o'neill cruz i know we're both high on we both like wander franco we both like Alexander bogarts um yeah it's uh but Alexander bogarts like yeah he's uh he's about as safe as as they come right as far as batting average and the counting stats if you look at all the teams that need a shortstop 
they're all good lineups, right? You're looking at the Braves, possibly the uh, the Red Sox, the Phillies, uh, you know, like the the Dodgers are, 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 you know, kind of in the mix as well with with Trey Turner being a free agent. So like all those teams are very good offensively. So no matter where these guys kind of sign, as long as you know somebody doesn't come out of the woodwork, like I don't know, like the Marlins, you know, that that would be a very bad situation. But you know, yeah. a lot of these teams that need a shortstop are very good offensively. So no matter where he signs, he should be uh, producing really, really well. And yeah, like you said, I think we will we'll see some power come back. I'm not sure how much we're going to get in the stolen base category, but you know, if you're drafting the way, like we just got done talking, like the way I like to draft, like I'm generally not looking, I don't necessarily not looking for the stolen bases, but I don't really need the stolen bases. I should have already addressed it. And that is exactly why it's a perfect lead into my guy that I'm targeting, who is Corey Seager. And if you look at, you know, he's going at 74.83. So you're looking at one of those guys, again, that's going in the mid-fifth round. We've seen him in the sixth round a couple times. That's, like, that's the target I'm looking for right there. Um, he had a little bit of a down year in the batting average, but I don't expect that to to happen again. His, his strikeout rate is insanely good he had a really really bad babbit so i think he's um he's a guy that could maybe really benefit from this uh the new shift rules but his k rate is phenomenal uh, you know everything looks to be pretty much the same he's always just kind of had the injury issues that's always kind of been the issue uh for him but you know he had 33 home runs last year uh you know he's got 91 runs 83 rbis he only hit 245 but if you look at his like the last couple of years 307 306 that batting average is going to come back up. He's not a 245 hitter. There's just, there's just no way. No, no, definitely not. I, I love the Seager pick. Um, and it was also, uh, people sort of tout him as injury prone and he really isn't. Um, he got in 2021, he got hit in the hand with a pitch. And in 2018, he got Tommy John surgery. Other than 2019, he played 135 games, 151 last year, and then 145, 157 the two years before he got Tommy John. Yeah, I really don't think he's injury prone. It's just kind of just two crazy injuries that uh, hit him. But yeah, I totally agree on the a, batting. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, I just didn't he have a hip issue or something as well? I thought he had a hip, some, something to do with a hip or something. Uh, he might. Yeah, he might have uh, in between. I was sort of just looking at the uh, the two the two times he missed a big chunk of uh, big chunk of games. It was from a broken hand and Tommy John surgery. But yeah, um, he might have in twenty in twenty nineteen. He might have had a hip issue or something. Or twenty twenty one, maybe missed a few games from hip injury. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I know you're right. And um, again, he's another guy you're not going to get a whole lot of speed out of, if any. Which is fine. Um, like the same reason for for Bogarts, right? Like I just I, I want to have my a lot of speed already on my squad before I, I take somebody like like him or, or Bogarts. Um, let's go with uh, who's your second guy that you are, are interested in here at ADP. So my second guy is going to be Kevin Gosman. Um, his current ADP is sixty eight. He's the 26th pitcher off the board. Um, and be like, 
in the Alcantara Cease Woodruff tier, to be honest with you. Um, if if you if you look at stuff uh, stuff and command metrics, which I, I really like, uh, you know, Cyrus's stuff and command metrics. Kevin Gosman has uh, a 115 stuff, 107 command, elite numbers, and um, his huge metric is pitching plus. And in pitching plus, Kevin Gosman is only behind Tyler Glasnow, Jacob Degrom, and that's it for starting pitchers. Um, if you go to strikeout minus walk rate among qualified pitchers, Gosman was fifth in all of baseball only behind Aaron Nola, Carlos Rodon, Garrett Cole, and Shohei Otani. Um, why he had such a rough second half, I'm not sure. But he had a 360 BABIP, which is just ridiculous. I, I don't really know how that happens. Maybe the you know Blue Jays' defense is, was really bad, or he just got crazy unlucky. But Gosman to me is someone that uh, I mean he had a two-three FIP last year. That's insane. Um, the K's are amazing. The walks are amazing. The home run suppression is amazing. Like I like I said already, the stuff in command is off the charts, uh, and he gives you a ton of innings. I just think he should be a top two, three, four round pick, and you're only getting the discount again because he had a really really high BABIP last year. Yeah, I agree. He really got the walks under control. Um, you know, 1.44 per nine was easily hit the best of his career. And his K per nine, or I'm sorry, his K uh, per walk was also easily the best of his career. He had never been over five K per walk, and he was 7.32 last year. So obviously pitching, um, you know, a lot of people had concerns last year, myself included, that he was going back to the AL East. Uh, I was clearly wrong. <laughs> um yeah, and everybody else who thought the same of me was also wrong. And, yeah, I think it was just the Babbitt maybe. Just had some bad Babbitt block in the second half. But, yeah, every, everything looks really good. The K per nine, the walk per nine, the swinging strike. And, like you said, this all, all the stuff is is right there. And he's also, you know, pitching for the Blue Jays, which is an elite offense with one of the better closers in the game as well. So, wins, you know, I, I, would, ex I would expect him to have more than 12 wins last year. I don't really like the draft players just for wins, but you know, if you have a good offense, you're a good pitcher and you have a good uh, end of the bullpen, usually the wins will come. Yeah. And Toronto isn't uh, as hitter friendly of a park as you would think. It's actually middle of the road. It's even leans towards pitcher friendly. Um, so that's a huge plus for him as well. Yep, absolutely. For sure. Uh, my second guy that I am in on at ADP is going to be a closer, actually. Um, Camilo Duvall at 92.72. Um, so you're looking um, – I'm sorry, Camilo Duvall is 85.06. Uh, I wrote that down wrong. Uh, but, yeah, you're looking at towards the end of the second – or end of the sixth round. Uh, to me, he's completely locked into the role. I love the K per nine. The thing I'm a little concerned about is the walks. I think he can get that under control. And if he does, he's going to be one of the most elite closers in the game. And uh, the, the Giants, while I do think the Giants are not going to be as good, I think they're going to spend some money, hopefully here uh, in the offseason, and kind of build up that, uh, that offense a little bit, make it a little better. But the Giants always seem to outperform 
you know, everybody's expectations, uh, my, mine included. So I think the Giants are going to be, you know, they'll be fine. But I just, I love Duvall at the end. I like, I like my closers that get, that have pretty good job security. I, I don't see anybody challenging them for it unless they happen to sign somebody like Kenley, which I really hope they don't. But um, yeah, Camilo Duvall just, I think he's locked into the, the role. I love his strikeout potential. And that's all I, I mean, that's perfect. That one more can you possibly want? And I just, he's going like after some guys like, uh, Ryan Helsley, Iglesias, I would take him easily over those guys. Um, I know you like uh, Felix Bautista. I would personally take him over Felix Bautista. I, it's, I mean, it's close. Obviously, Felix Bautista is amazing, too. It's just kind of the, the team context for me. I think Baltimore's a little bit fool's gold last year and <laughs> extremely outperformed expectations, and I don't really expect him to be that good again. Um, but yeah, yeah Devin not, Williams too. Same thing. I would I would take him over Devin Williams. Yeah, it's not at all that I I like Duvall. I like all three of them. I my argument was just that I think Devin Williams and Bautista have just as secure of roles, and they're better. Um, but sure, if you were to rank job security, Duvall would definitely rank first of the three. I just don't think any of them are in danger of losing their job. Yeah, I'm not completely sold that Devin Williams is going to be the sure closer for the Brewers, but he sure looks like it, right? And obviously, he's amazing. So, yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. I just I see some of the things the Brewers do just don't make any sense. So I wouldn't be surprised if they all of a sudden saw an opportunity and they traded Devin Williams as well, like the way they did Hater. I understand they traded Hater because they had Devin Williams, but it's like, okay, yeah, but why would you trade from a strength and still not address your major league lineup or your roster, major league roster? This didn't make any sense to me when you had a four-game lead in the division. Yeah, I'm not salty at all. <laughs> yeah, it was, wasn't their best <laughs> trade. Yeah, it was horrendous. It made zero sense. But all right, anyways, enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, a couple of players uh, that you're out on at ADP. You can you can go with one first. So I was gonna pick uh, I was gonna pick Tyler Glass now, but I'm not gonna go there. I'm actually gonna go with Ozzy Albies. Um, he is currently going as the second second baseman off the board, uh, ADP 42, and. My gripe there would be I would probably rather one, two, three, the four second baseman going after him uh, ahead of uh, – I'd prefer Altuve, Chisholm, Story, and Edmund all over Ozzy Albies. Um, you know, Albies played 65 games last year. He was really bad. Um, I, I get the 2021 where he, we were talking about before the pods. He was the first-round pick. Uh, I'm not really sure – I mean, I get that he was a 30-20 guy, but he's like a league average hitter. Um, the Braves lineup is so good. I can't imagine he's like top two in that lineup. With uh, You're not going to have a 300-310 OBP guy hitting first and second when you have Acuna, Michael Harris, Matt Olson, Austin Riley. There, there's just no way he's going to bet in the top four in that lineup. Um on top of that, it's just like the quality of contact isn't very good. 
he's a really high fly ball hitter. And that's going to lead to like a mediocre or poor batting average. Uh, in 2021, he completely changed his style of hitting. So the batting averages you see in 2017, 18, and 19 won't really reflect how he's going to be moving forward. I really think he's like a 240, 250 hitter with 20, 25 homers maybe and like 10 to 15 steals. I I just don't see how that's better than Jose Altuve, Chisholm Story, or Tommy Edmond. Um, I, I can make a case that Ozzy Albi should be going like almost at least two rounds later than he is. Yeah, the, the lineup spot is your spot on with that. I, th- I think going into last year, I think they're planning on hitting him. Uh, well, Acuna was out to begin with, so I think they're planning on hitting him leadoff. And then once Acuna's back, Acuna hits leadoff. So it's just a matter of who do you want to hit second. And then we saw Dansby Swanson have a huge year. So he moved up to second. And all these got hurt. And he never really looked back. So, And we don't know who Atlanta's going to sign at shortstop as well. You know, what if they get – what if they get Alexander Bogarts, for example, if Swanson signs elsewhere? Well, Bogarts isn't going to hit the bottom of the lineup. You know, he's going to be he would be hitting probably second. But. Yeah, it took it took three weeks as soon well as soon as Acuna came back, Albies got pushed to fifth, and then right before Acuna, uh, right before Albies got hurt, he was hitting eighth, uh, seventh, seventh, fifth, seventh, seventh, sixth, fifth, eighth. Um, and again, I just don't. Uh, I think that 30-20 season is his peak year. Even though he was only 24, he had almost 700 plate appearances. I just don't see that happening again. Yeah, I, I completely agree with taking guys like Altuve um, over him. Oh, Altuve for sure, I would. Um, yeah, Jazz, Story, I completely agree with those guys as well. My guy, Edmund, <clears throat> I mean, you could. it kind of depends on what you need at that point. Um, I do think Ozzy Albies has a little more power than Edmund, but Edmunds can definitely steal more bases than, than Albies. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, no, that's a, I completely agree there. Mid, middle of the third is a little bit too early for me with with all these. Um, one guy I'm out on is Rossell Iglesias. And it's strictly because I don't think he, I don't, I don't, he's not guaranteed the closer role. I don't, I don't know how you can take him over somebody like Camila Duvall right now with what we know right now. Now, if, if Jansen signs elsewhere and Iglesias is locked into the closer role. Okay. Now it makes sense. But, as we are here right now, there's just no way I can take Rossell Iglesias. I love those skills. I, he was, he was, I was all over him going into this year, and obviously it didn't work out. He didn't didn't really perform that well, and then he got traded out of the closer role. So that was kind of a little bit of a nightmare. But yeah, as of right now, that there's no way I can take any guy that I don't think is the 100 sure closer in the first, you know, I don't know, 15 rounds. So. Yeah, no, it's I, just plain and simple there. I mean, there's just there's no real analysis behind it. It's just I just don't think he has the role guaranteed right now. Yeah, I mean, well, with closers, that's really all the analysis you need. Um, are they going to close? Do they have the skills to close? Uh, Iglesias checks one of those boxes. But um, we talked about this before, um, you know, between DMs and stuff. Uh, Anthopolis, the, the Braves GM, uh, wants Jansen back. So if they're willing to sign Jansen, Iglesias isn't the closer. 
just like last year. So yeah, exactly. What are the chances? Uh, what would you put on the percentage that Jansen goes back? Uh, 50, 50, somewhere around there. I'm not really sure. Yeah. I mean, the other option I would think for Jansen, you know, the other one that obviously stands out is back to the Dodgers, you know, with kind of their nightmare that they just had this past season with the ninth inning rule with, um, with Kimbrell. But yeah, I mean, it's got, we don't know. Did Jansen love playing Atlanta? If he loved playing Atlanta, he'd be more than willing to sign back there. Right. You know, and yeah, I just, I just don't think Iglesias is like a hundred. He's not guaranteed the role right now. So I just can't take him this early. No, I, uh, I totally agree with you there. Um, so who do you got for your second guy? My second guy is going to be, uh, I'm sorry. Did we want to do, um, top 100 in ADP or just anybody on the board? Okay. So it's a 10th round pick. I'm going to go with Cabrian Hayes. Um, I, I get third base is bad, but, Brian Hayes was like legitimately terrible last year. I don't know how you could draft him with your 10th round pick. Yeah, um, it's just the stolen bases, right? That, that he was he good had, in that category. He had 41 RBIs last year and seven homers and hit 240. How are you drafting him in the 10th round? I don't yeah. I don't get it. I mean, I 20 stolen bases from your third baseman is huge, but he now has two consecutive seasons with an 88 WRC plus is very very bad um and on top of that i had worries about hayes going into 2022 and everyone told me oh well it was his wrist he was hurt it was you know this injury okay well what happened this year at the end of the year he said oh well i was injured okay well so you've played two consecutive seasons injured or or you're just not good like you, you can't you can't have it both ways like you, you couldn't have played both seasons injured the whole time. That's just not possible. So I don't know. I, I, I just think he's, I just think he's a bad hitter. Um, he hits the ball hard. He does, but he hits everything straight into the ground or he hits like low liners to the opposite field. So that that's the reason why he doesn't hit for any power. Uh, he's on a horrendous team. Tenth round pick is just crazy to me. I don't know. Yeah, I could I could get uh, Russell Westbrook all over again, like in basketball. How I was saying, don't draft this guy, don't draft this guy. Now Westbrook puts up twenty points and ten assists every game. <laughs> but I don't know. I could. I don't think I could take a Brian Hayes in the in the eighteenth round, let alone the tenth round. Yeah, that's. There's just no way I'm taking him there either. I mean, you got to be really behind the eight ball in stolen bases to even consider him, I would think. Um, and I just, that's just, it's exactly the type of player I just don't want to, I don't want to have to rely on stolen bases for. So, You're yeah. You're a one category guy in the 10th round. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He had 50 runs and 41 RBIs last year. He played the whole season. It's like Miles Straw all, all over again last oh year. Oh, my God. Yeah, no thanks. I, I uh, 100% agree with you there. Um, my guy is going to be a guy that actually had a really good season this, uh, this past season. Um, and maybe he repeats it again. There's, there's really no, there's not really too much data or anything behind him not maybe repeating again. 
but it's going to be Andres Jimenez, um, the third baseman for the Guardians, or actually not third base, but um, for the Guardians. And yeah, it's just uh, you know he hit he hit for a very good average this past season. He he broke out like where you where you selected him. He had he had a really nice season. But if you look at it, 146 games, so he played a lot of games, right? 66 runs and 69 RBIs. It's not very good. Where he hits in the lineup is a, a big, big reason um, that I'm going to be – I'm probably not going to have too many shares of him. He doesn't really give you a ton of power. I mean, he had 17 last year. It's, it's okay. Um, but that combined with the, the counting stats, where he's going to hit in the lineup, I'm not – I just – I can't I can't get behind that. I do think the stolen bases are, are fairly legit, but – you know, what if he, what if that average comes down, you know, just a, a little bit? What if he hits, you know, he had 297 last year. What if he hits 280? Just still good. But now you're looking at 280, might, you're going to probably have less runs and less RBIs, less chances to steal. And the home runs, I just don't know how legit the home runs are. But uh, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't think I can get behind him at the, at the current ADP. Yeah, I, I agree with that one as well. Uh, quality of contact metrics are not very good. I don't think the 17 homers are legit either. I think he's more of like a 12, 13 homer guy. Um, and again, he only had, you know, 550 plate appearances and he played basically the entire season. Um, he, like you said, he doesn't hit high in that lineup. Um, he had a 350 BABIP that's obviously not going to sustain. Steamer has him for a 307 Babbitt. So if he has the same strikeout rate as last year, you know, um, assuming that he has the same amount of power, that's a 260 average. Um, even lower. So I, I don't know. To maybe, uh, I don't know. You get a 270 average with 13, 14 homers, 20 steals. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I I think he. I don't think he should be going that high either. Yeah, it's just a little too rich for my blood. I like the player, and I, you know he's he's going to be coming into his prime, which is generally like you know players that I like to target. But yeah, it's just it's it's tough. You know he he didn't necessarily come out of nowhere because I think a lot of people did like him, but they liked him at where he was going in drafts last year. Now you know you're spending a top six seven round pick on him, and it's like. Oh, I just cannot. I, it's just too way too rich for my blood. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's let's switch into the the did you know segment, our new segment. I don't know how often we'll do it, but um, yeah, no, we need to drop. We need a drop for you. That's like an intro. That you know, we need like a <laughs> like a song. The did you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Maybe we get Rick Poundstone for it uh, for this uh, segment for us next time. Tremendous idea. Shout out to Rick. What a legend. Um, all right. So uh, did you know, Ryan, that there was um, there's only one player that's projected for 100 plus walks, according to Steamer? Do you know who that is? I would say that almost has to be Juan Soto. There you go. There was a nice, <laughs> easy one for you. I, I came in nice and light. Nice layout. Give, give you a softball. Um, yeah, that is correct, though. That is correct. He had a hundred, uh, hundred, or he's projected for 137 walks, and nobody else is projected for a hundred. Um, Judge is projected for 94, and then Christian Yelich is projected for 89. I was kind of surprised to see that. 
Um, but yeah, Soto gets on base. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And last year, last year, there was only one guy that hit a hundred walks and it was judge had 111. Um, but Soto had 91 walks in like 56 less games. So, uh, yeah, I think Soto's uh, the clear favorite there, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we came in nice and light with the Diddy Null, but this is the Diddy Null that I was really excited to to talk about. So uh, did you know that Steamer is currently projecting nine players to have 20-plus home runs and 20-plus stolen bases? Um, there's been 18 DCs so far, and these are the players that they're they're projected to – to go 2020 Acuna 31 home runs, 36 stolen bases Mullins 2030 Bobby Wood jr. 26, 27 jazz, 28, 26 Randy Rosarena 22, 26 J rod 32, 25 Fernando Tatis 37, 20 J Ram 30, 20 and Michael Harris 22, 20 Ryan. Now, this is a real tough one. So I go from the softball to like a 102-mile-an-hour cutter from Emmanuel Classe for it. Uh, what do all these players have in common? All of them have in common. Um, in terms of what, like where they're being drafted or? Yeah, in relation to where they're being drafted in current, uh, current ADPs um, for the 18 draft champions. Uh, I would guess that they are all top 50 picks. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, they're all, all of those guys are going right now in the first three and a half rounds. So every single player that's projected to go 2020 is going in the first three and a half rounds of DCs. So, Ryan, this is exactly why I like to target my stolen base guys early because. If you miss out on stolen bases and you're in round five, you know, you got, I mean, pocket aces is like, it's tough to do that strategy when, when you look at something like this, but if you're in like round five and you only have like 15 stolen bases or something like that's, uh, I just, I don't want to be in that situation. Like, I feel like I'm so far behind and then you're forced to take guys like Brian Hayes to try to make <laughs> up for it. <laughs> and it just, it's, it's you know, they're, they shit the rest of the categories. So it's like, that's why I like to, you know, attack my stolen base guys early. I love my uh, Rosa Reina. I was all over him last year. Tons of shares. Um, I see people like questioning on Twitter why Bobby Witt's a first round pick. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, this is exactly why because stolen bases is a category. When you're playing an overall competition, you can't punt any categories. So, no. um, yeah. So this is. Um, you know, this, this is a segment I was looking forward to. And I mentioned at the beginning that because this, like, this is why, this is the kind of stuff I look at because this is exactly how I draft and why I draft the way I do. Um, but there were some, there were some notable misses um, that are not projected for 2020. Uh, Trey Turner is projected for 19 and 23. JT Real Muto is projected for 20 and 13. Adelise Garcia, 27 and 17. Kyle Tucker, 34 and 19. Semyon, 26 and 19. Story, 23 and 17. O'Neill Cruz, 27 and 19. And guess what? Every single one of these guys goes in the top five rounds as well. So if you don't get your speed by round six, I mean, good luck. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I I totally agree with you. Like I said, I I, I would take – I wouldn't be opposed to taking – 
Soto, Jordan, Vlad like that in the first round. But if you do that in the first round, you got to take at least two of those guys, right, mm-hmm. with your next picks. And like how we said, we love the pitching in rounds six to ten. So if you want to start five bats and take one four-category contributor and then take four power speed threats and then you load up on pitching, you throw a closer in there, and, you know, you have an outline of your draft strategy. Yep, exactly, exactly. And that's, uh, you know, one of the important things that I always do too when I'm drafting is trying to find out where where I'm going to get my pitching. You know, it sounds simple, but um, it's it's something that's, like, extremely important because it's rare that you pick up pitchers off the waiver wire in the middle of the season that are all of a sudden performing like aces. So, yeah. You know, make sure you uh, target your aces as well, even though I do try to get a lot of these stolen base guys. Um, So let's go to, did you know, number three, there were five players last year who had 100 plus runs and 100 plus RBIs. Brian, can you name them? Three players, you said? Five five players. Five players players had 100, 100, 100. Yep. 100, 100. Uh, One's got to be Judge. Yeah, he had 131 uh, RBIs, 133 runs. One's got to be Goldschmidt. Yeah, 115 and 106. I would guess one is Pete Alonzo. Is not on the list. Not on the list. Uh, Jose Ramirez. He is not on the list. Wow. Wow, I thought J-Ram had 100 runs for sure. Um. It's a little tough. Uh, Freeman. Yeah, Freddie Freeman had 100 RBIs and 117 runs. J-Rem had 90 runs, by the way. 90. That's not really close to 100, though. Um, Pete Alonso was close. He had 95 runs, 131 RBIs. We got Judge, Goldie, and Freeman. We got two more. Frankie Lindor? No. Um, man, Lindor was close to 107 RBIs, 98 runs. Jeez. <laughs> um, you need a hint. Uh, sure, I'd love a hint. The remaining two guys both play in the NL West. Both playing the NL West. Uh, is it one Manny Machado? That is one. 102 RBIs, 100 runs. Oh, barely got there. Yeah. The other Manny. guy barely got there in both of the categories. I was going to say Mookie Betts, but I didn't think he had the RBIs. Is it Mookie Betts? It is not. Same team, though. <laughs> so it's got to be Trey Turner, then. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Trey Turner, 100 RBIs and 101 runs. Oh, wow. Another one barely got there. Yeah, yeah. So five last year. There's two projected for this year. Can you guess them? Two. Um, I would imagine it's Judge, right? Unless they're regressing yeah. that much. Yep. Judge, oh, 113 RBIs, 102 runs. Projection on Steamer. The second one's going to be tougher. I'm going to say Mike Trout. Uh, it is not Mike Trout. Sorry, the judge is 103 RBIs, 107 runs. Uh, yeah, the second one is actually Vlad Jr., 113 RBIs and 102 runs. Vlad Jr. Yeah, yeah. Which I could definitely see. 
And I hope I hope uh, since I did take them already. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, did it in twenty twenty one. So. Yeah, loaded lineup. I mean, you know, we saw. I think we saw a lot of those Blue Jays hitters uh, kind of struggle a little bit, especially the first half of last year. Boba Shett, most notably. But man, did he go on a tear to make up for it uh, at the second oh, yeah. half of the season? You know, it's funny when we did that Rob D draft. That was in August, and I think it was just prior to when he went nuts. And uh, you know, he got he went in the early third round in that draft, and now his yeah. ADP is you know safely in the first. He's going at you know pick twelve. <laughs> so, it's crazy, crazy how that, fast stuff changes. Yeah, and his final line still looked awesome. You know, the stolen bases weren't quite as high, and you know the power was like you know mid twenties. But again, he's another guy who's a easy candidate for 100 100 with you know a 290 plus average so he's a he's a good solid uh five category bat absolutely so i got one more did you know there were 11 total players last year who hit 300 in a minimum of 125 games freddie freeman at 325 judge 311 jose abreu 304 Nathaniel Lowe, 302, Benintendi, 304, Jeff McNeil, 326, Goldie, 317, Luis Arise, 316, Bogarts, 307, Jordan, 306, and Altuve, 300. This year, there is one player projected to hit 300, according to Steamer. Can you name him? One player projected to hit 300. Hmm. I'm gonna say Jordan Alvarez. It is not. It is Luis Arise. Projected at 304. Luis Arise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that uh that concludes the did you know segment. Um I do have one more trivia question for you though. Okay. Let's hear two two players are uh Susie. Two players last season had 20-plus home runs and 30-plus stolen bases. you know who they are? Two had tw- went 20-30. I believe a Rosarena was one of them. That is one. And the second one, uh, Bobby Witt. There it is. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Nice one. Yeah. Yeah, I can't um, – I don't understand the not drafting Bobby Witt in the first round thing. He just went 20-30, and he's 22 years old. Yeah. I mean, he's only going to get better, right? And now he's got more experience. And, I, yeah, I, I don't – he's a clear first-rounder for me. Like, even Michael Harris, I'm not going to have any of in the second round. But I don't think it's a, like, horrendous pick. I just won't be doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I can do the Michael Harris either. I, I it, it, he fits the profile that I like, you know, the power speed combo. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just biased because I didn't get him anywhere last year, and I'm I'm mad at him. Now he owes me. You know, he needs to do bad this year. But <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, I yeah, I don't know. I just uh, I, you know, I need to look into him more. It's we're still middle of November, so there's still a lot of a lot of prep that needs to be done, but. Absolutely. I just don't know. I mean, it's kind of the same thing as like, you know, as all these. Like, I just don't know where he's going to hit in the lineup. I don't know how the shortstop is going to shake out for, you know, the Braves. 
Does Dansby go back there? Does Dansby go back there and hit second with Acuna hitting first? I just I don't know. So I just I guess I can't get totally on board uh, as 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 of right now. Yeah, my two big gripes with him are that uh, his ground ball rate is ridiculously high. He hits twice as many ground balls as he does fly balls. Um, he had a 23% home run to fly ball rate last year, and that was double what he did in the minor leagues. So I can't imagine that sustains. And he had a 42% chase rate, which is ungodly high uh, for a 21-year-old. Uh, well, he's going to be 22. For a 22-year-old, it's not, like, insane. But, again, this is a redraft league. It's not a dynasty league. How does he adjust? Um, the Braves played the Mets in a really big series. And uh, it was a game, I think they played Bassett, DeGrom, Scherzer. I forget exactly how Harris did in those three games. But in the at-bats, I remember, uh, the pitchers, they just weren't throwing him strikes. And, you know, he was still swinging at him because he swings at everything. Uh, so I think that's how, and I, I believe he went like one for 13 in the playoffs, Harris. Um, I just think that's how pitchers are going to attack him next year because everyone knows like his weaknesses now. Can he make the adjustment? Sure. But that's just – that's a really, really risky pick in the second round. Um, you could say the same about Bobby Witt, but Bobby Witt and Julio Rodriguez already went through their adjustment period, and they overcome it and had really good second halves. Uh, Harris played a lot of the season, but I, I think he's going to have a huge adjustment period next year. Yeah, I – Hundred percent agree. It's just uh, like you said, like the pitchers adjusted to him. Now, can he adjust? You know, back to them. And yeah, can he do it? Sure. Have we seen him do it yet? No. So it's uh, yeah, it's just it's such an like it's such an expensive pick. I need to have a little bit more of a, a safer option there. And yeah. he's just he's just not it for me. I mean, it's kind of like how. You know, Luba, Luis Robert, Robert, however you want to pronounce his name. It, I can't, he's not, another guy I just can't take because I haven't seen him play a full healthy season. He's just always something issue, some kind of an issue with him. So it's like, I, I need a little bit more safety in these early picks. I mean, these are the building blocks of your team. Like, you can't have any kind of questions really with, you know, with some of these early picks. Yeah, I think the only player I would take a chance on in the top four or five rounds would be Fernando Tatis. Like, if I took, Soto or Jordan or Vlad in the first, I would take Tatis in the second with, with all those guys. Yeah, that, that makes uh, that makes sense. Obviously, we, we know what Tatis' ceiling is. It's the best player in baseball. And yeah, I mean, we've, we've you, seen like we, we know he's good. It just kind of comes down to is he going to be healthy enough? And we, he got the shoulder surgery. So, you know, that's always a good thing because that was a huge concern for me going into last year. And then obviously the, the suspension thing, but you know he's not going to miss that much time with the with the Potters having a nice little run in the playoffs. Uh, that really chipped into the to his suspension. So yeah, I think it's only like twenty games. Yeah, yeah. So as, as long as he's healthy enough and, and good to go, I think he's going to be a guy that you know he's going pretty expensive right now. Middle of the seconds, you know, it's a pretty high price. But if he's healthy in spring and it's literally just the the missed games for suspension is probably going to be a first round pick. He just got to, it's, you know, his, you know, whatever five months plus, you know, replacement is still yeah. going to be a first round 
value. Yeah, if you pair him with Hassan Kim or something like that, let's say, it'll it's going to be you know a top top five pick value. Um, I even yeah. think Tenet. Um, a little bold prediction, even though it's not really that bold. I think Tatis is going to be uh, the consensus one-one for the next half decade. Uh, I think he's he's that good. He's almost yeah, like I, a he's almost like a forty-twenty lock when he's healthy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's got all the tools that you can possibly have. So it's just kind of you just hope he can maybe get his. Head little straight on the shoulders is you know just some kind of immaturity issues there it seemed like, but you hope that this was like the wake up call that he needed, and put it behind him and we can move forward with him. Yeah, for sure. So with these uh, steamer projections out, anything anything interesting eye popping that you're seeing with them? Yeah, so something uh, I talked about. Well, we didn't. I didn't really go into detail on uh I was on Rob DiPietro's pod, the pull hitter pod. And um, he had mentioned to me, because I didn't even notice this, that Joey Manessis is projected for 29 home runs. Um, he's a 31-year-old journeyman who's never hit 30 home runs in the minor leagues before, but is now going to hit 30 home runs his first year in the majors after spending – uh, he's been in the minors since 2011. Like, I mean, you gotta be joking, me, Steamer. I don't know. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> are we? Yeah, doing? that seems a little aggressive. I would, <laughs> if you're if you're gonna put projections like into your, you know, system of however you rank players, I would literally take 10 home runs off that projection. That's how insane I think it is. <laughs> I was just going to say, if you were uh, setting the odds in Vegas, what would you put his home run over-under at? Only because I think he's going to play so much on the crappy Nationals. I think 19 and a half is perfectly reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> the 20, not, the projections are 50th percentile outcomes. If they're saying 29 is going to be like average season. If you were to run 2023 100 times, Half the time, Joey Manessis hits twenty nine home runs. That that's just not, that's just not true. That's <laughs> great. <It's, laughs> I, I don't know how you could project him for something like that. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, that's incredibly aggressive. I'm just looking at some of the guys that they have him over, like Anthony Santander. Give me Santander over him easily. Willie Adamas, Christian Walker. Give me Christian Walker. Eugenio Suarez. Give me him. Crone, yeah, Seager. I mean, I think yeah, all these yeah, guys. Suarez, it's the, all those guys at 30 homers every year. They're healthy. John, yeah. He's a 31-year-old journeyman. 31 years old. Like, yeah, this isn't his... like some 24-year-old stud that just got called up. And, like, his minor league numbers are good. Like, from 2018, uh, 2018, uh, he didn't play in 2019 for whatever reason. 2021, 22, his minor league numbers are good. Why did he never get a chance? Like, that doesn't happen in 2022 where guys are really good in the minor leagues and they're just stuck there forever. Then they get called up and they're these studs for years. Like, that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> and yeah, it, took, it took to be on the Nationals for him to get called up. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just looking at this whole projection. I mean, honestly, if he hits his projection, he's going to be the steal of the draft season. But <laughs> He's going to be a fourth <laughs> rounder. 
264, 29 home runs, 91 RBIs, 78 runs. Like that's a, that's an insane projection. It's like a sixth, seventh round pick. Uh, is he on this board? Um, I'm trying to look. He's is he first base or outfield eligible? Oh, uh, the ADP board. Uh, he's right here, uh, round 15, team nine, or you know, whatever on the ADP board. So 221.72. There you uh, go, round 15. Get your get your 29 home run, 91 RBI bat with a decent average right there. Right, right next to JD Martinez, who's like. Yes, he was bad last year, but he has a long, long track record of being a very good hitter. It's just—it's really funny that those two are right next to each other. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that projection is pretty wild. It's—it's it's, you know, we'll get into some more pitchers next week with um, the did you know segment. The, the did you know segment this uh, week was all hitters. So next next week we're gonna, we'll do all pitchers, but I love some of the pitching. Uh, projections are just some of these things crack me up. Yeah, I hope I hope it moves prices because some of them are ridiculous. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, anything else uh, you want to discuss before we get out of here? No, I think that's it. We'll save uh, we'll save all the pitching talk for next week. That works for me. Alrighty. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in. We will see you next week. Thank you for once again, tuning into another episode of the Indicard fantasy sports podcast. Ryan and I really appreciate the support. You can find me on Twitter at pile of dial. Ryan is at Ven underscore Armbarn. in the words of the legendary 50 cent. Joy wouldn't feel so good if it wasn't for pain. Peace!